Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Natalie Maddox from House Gospel Choir, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture. Hi there, it's the managing editor of House Culture, Matt Rouse here, and I want to welcome you to this very special episode of the House Culture Podcast. To celebrate the launch of the House Gospel Choir's incredible debut album, Required, we caught up with creative director and founder of the collective, Natalie Maddox, to discuss how she combined her love of house music with her passion for gospel. And that's why I like just raving, do you know what I mean? Like you're not on stage, you're not front and centre, you're just part of something. So a choir actually is a perfect place for me as a person, like with my personality type to sing in my house gospel choir. <laughs> it's like the perfect place for me. I'm raving, I'm singing and I'm with my mates. What those first gigs were like as a group. So our first gig was Glastonbury. The way I saw it was like I was trying to create a DJ set that would keep someone moving from the first minute to the 60th minute. I just wanted people to feel happy and uplifted and joyful and just give them that feeling that house music gives me. And what the ambitions are for their debut album. There are millions of people that have never heard us. I want them to hear the album because it is great and it is an hour and six minutes of just joy. Um, (laughs) If anyone wants to listen from beginning to end, if you just need to be picked up out of a low place or a dark place, just whack the album on and just have a dark dance around your living room. The House Gospel Choir are on a mission to bring joy into our lives through the healing power of house music. Sounds good to me. I hope you enjoy our chat. This is Natalie Maddox from the House Gospel Choir. House Culture. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for joining us on the House Culture Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You're here to talk about the House Gospel Choir and the release of your debut album, Required. But before we come on to that, as the founder of The Collective, can you tell us about your relationship with house music before the formation of the choir? I just love house music. (laughs) I don't know, like, (laughs) that's my relationship with it as a starting point. Um, I, like, I I started raving probably a bit too young, maybe about 12, 13. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just always inspired by what was coming through the walls of my big brother's bedroom so yeah and that was a lot of drum and bass a lot of house and um and then when I started listening to music I was really into garage and refined my taste over time and just really got into the house as well so yeah I love it and I you know as a singer and a songwriter I, I've been in a couple of garage crews and uh to my shame some of them <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about any of those fortunately before before youtube um yeah i've released a few bits i've worked with a few different people as a soloist it's always an older sibling i find that yes. is the the bad influence yeah um, yeah what what kind of era was that that you were hearing this absorbing this stuff well, through the walls i'm a proper 80s baby so my brother was like proper into rave like in the early 90s so I was still quite young um and he to you know he it's a fun fact he had uh the largest collection of rave flyers in the UK um that's like wow. so yeah he's so his thing is actually uh flyers so I was always into the graphics of uh mm-hmm. like because early rave flyers are just sick we're talking on the same level here uh, yeah. for the reason that I'm sat here right now is my older brother who was into rave music and stuff and yeah. our, my room was just you know the rave cave plastered with yeah. all these flyers yeah. my school books actually I used to use all the flyers to cover my school books <laughs> and uh I, I my mum got pulled into school once because there was this flyer oh I can't remember what rave it was for but it had all these ecstasy tablets on it um and that's the one I chose to cut up and stick to my RE book funnily enough <laughs> uh yeah very subversive child so yeah got in trouble for that but um yeah love flyers and all the imagery around like those early rave flyers and the artwork just kind of sticks in my head absolutely um what so what was it like when those those first experiences when you were going out and and clubbing and, and things like that was it like you just wanted to get down and have fun or was it a case of like okay no I, you know as a as a singer or a songwriter you wanted to get involved somehow at that age my my family's um from jamaica so we have we had a lot of like family parties with massive sound systems so i i just loved loud music and the vibrations from quite a young mm-hmm. age but it wasn't my music being played on those speakers you know it was just music that i loved because i grew up hearing it so when I finally got to start raving and like going out and hearing hearing jungle and hearing garage for myself with my friends, I just fell in love with it. And we didn't have money. You barely had money to get the bus there and the night bus back. So we, we weren't drinking or doing anything else, but it was literally about the music and we were just yeah. able to rave till six in the morning. Somehow, I don't think I could do it now. Just always loved raving. So in terms of the formation of the choir and, you know, how did these two kind of worlds then collide for you? Where, where was that? On the surface, they can be seen to be completely different in terms of one being, you know, a den of inequity yeah. in terms of a club, lots of naughty things happening there and a church, <laughs> which can be the purest of the pure. However, yeah. you know, the, the singular factor, I suppose, is yeah. the, the feeling of togetherness and the singing and everyone's equal. So how, how did Spot those on. worlds collide for you? Yeah, I mean, the other, the other element of my family is that they're, they're quite religious in part. So I grew up having to go to Sunday school every Sunday. Mm. I say having to go. I enjoyed <laughs> Sunday school, mainly for the biscuits. But I definitely, and the stories, no, the stories and the biscuits and the squash. But um, I loved singing at Sunday school. I loved being around the community and singing hymns like we were uh, we went to Anglican church and I was a member of the Pentecostal church as well so it was like quite different sounds but just the feeling of community in those spaces I've just always had access to that from a really early age 
So when I started raving, mm-hmm. it's it's essentially the same thing, I suppose. Like I said, when I first started raving, for me, they weren't they, the clubs weren't dens of iniquity at that point. I suppose the, the lighting kind of made you feel like you'd kind mm-hmm. of gone into like some subterranean world. But yeah, it it just is a really pure feeling, and just being around that many people that were all into the same tune. Yeah and everyone singing along and just moving together. For me, it's like, it's like the same experience and vibe. And so when you were going to, you know, church and things like that, were you participating in all of the all of the singing and everything like that? Were you trying to get yourself front and centre? And No, definitely not. I was a really shy child. Um, I was just more like there to soak up the vibes. And that's why I like just raving, do you know what I mean? Like you're not on stage, you're not front and centre, you're just part of something. So a choir actually is a perfect place for me as a person like with my personality type to sing Mm -hmm. I definitely tried doing like the solo thing and tried being a singer on my own terms but I just just didn't enjoy it I found it really lonely and isolating but I love being a soprano in my house gospel choir (laughs) it's like the perfect place for me I'm raving I'm singing and I'm with my mates Mm -hmm. like nothing better so you're soprano so what exactly for someone who doesn't know uh, what that might be can you just take us through what that kind of role is in the choir so the basic the basics of any harmony structure is a three-part harmony so you've got your tenors who are like the you think of it like a sandwich like the tenors are the the piece of bread on the bottom they're the base they like keep everything together in the middle you have the melody which is generally the alto and they're the filling of the sandwich and then on top you have the sopranos who at the top slice of bread, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, we're the ones that sing off, up, up in the heavens, like always singing the high notes, okay. um, trying to be Mariah or someone. Tasty musical sandwich. There you go. <laughs> the musical sandwich, yeah. <laughs> I hope that is for anyone that doesn't know how to create a harmony. That's it. Alto's tenor soprano. And have a bite. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of you were one of the founding members of the House Gospel Choir, what was the light bulb moment where it's like, actually I want to put this together and, and do something with house music do you know what in like because I, I just loved music I found myself I found a way to work in music I started off kind of doing event management and then I was tour managing but for some reason the more I worked in music the less I was enjoying music because I was working on a gig like four nights a week on the other three nights I was not going out just for the sake of it with my mates so I um I got to release a single with a project called Warm Days. And there was a remix by At Jazz that um, did really well in South Africa. And I got to do a little mini tour in 2011. And that was brilliant to kind of go back to the roots of what it is I love doing, which is singing and writing and um, just getting the response from people. And one night we performed at a club called House 22 in uh, Pretoria. And it's in in an old, um, old township. So it's like old old houses that have um, like they've taken the roof off. So it's like an open air, just party, but it feels like someone's house, you know. And it was number twenty two in this particular south township. But it's a fantastic club if anyone has been or you know gets a chance to go. It's a place to hear some real pure, deep, and soulful house. And literally, I so I was there with um, one of my best mates at the time, and I just looked out and I was like, Do you know what? This is what I've been missing in London. Mm-hmm. Like just. I've been working so much. I haven't had an opportunity just to be with people and share this space. And for, to me, for some reason, everybody sound like, sounded like they were singing in tune. And it just felt really, really soulful and uplifting. And I just said to my mate, you know, I, when I go back to London, I want to do this just once a week. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have, if we don't have time to rave, like just let's get together in a room and sing some house tunes. Yeah. 
really loud in harmony like let's make it sound good and that that was it so the idea happens and then obviously you've got friends i'd imagine already from the church environment yeah. they're all singers and not not just church because i've been like doing music for like maybe about 10 12 years at that point yeah. and working in music so i i got to know a lot of singers and most of my friends were musical in some way yeah yeah so i just ch- shouted a few of them <laughs> and what was their what was their kind of reaction was it like just yeah i'm in this sounds amazing or was it a bit like oh, i'm not sure if this will work or what, what no do you know do you know what i if i'm honest because i like parties so much i throw really good house parties <laughs> that's that's my one claim to fame so i think if i say to someone look i'm gonna throw a really cool create a nice space for us to come and enjoy ourselves would you come mm. that most people will say yes if you've been to one of my parties you will know what i'm talking about <laughs> got a really small flat really small studio flat but um, a couple of times a year it was being converted into like a really good rave. Yeah, my mates were just, they were on it. And there was 12 of us that first session. And then after that, they just, you know, a few people were like, oh, can I bring my mate? Or I know this girl from where I work, she'd be wicked at this. And it just grew from there. So within like maybe three weeks, we had about 30 members. Oh. And yeah, it just kept growing. And at the same time, like just as I was starting, I heard that Glastonbury we're looking for a gospel choir mm. for a slot on the Sunday of that year. So it's 2014. And a mate of mine, like a, well, a, a director at one of the companies I work for, said, oh, do you, do you know a choir? Can you recommend someone? I was like, yeah, do you know what? I do know a choir, actually. But they sing they sing um, house music. Is that all right? And he was like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, let's let's book it. Um, and we hadn't had a rehearsal yet. Uh, so <laughs> so <laughs> it's really bad. Now I think about it, it's like quite risky. So we essentially had like, 12 weeks to pull this show together which was a 60 minute show yeah. and we've been going ever since like wow. it's pretty much so our first gig was last <laughs> wow <laughs> Just, yeah. start high how could you top that yeah. yeah i mean so putting that show together between the members of the band i'd imagine you know house music covers quite a lot quite a breadth of genres yeah. sometimes or even just dance music mm. Mm. was there a lot of competing tastes within the choir at that stage in terms of like actually I lean towards more like you know up tempo high energy like disco or I'm more into like garage you know how does you know how do you kind of navigate all of that the main prerequisite for covering a track like it's like a like the way I saw it was like I was trying to create a DJ set that would keep someone moving from the first minute to the 60th minute like till we're cut off um and by the end of that that 60 minutes I just wanted people to feel happy and uplifted and joyful yeah. like and just give them that feeling that house music um gives me so I went through like my all my favorite records and just chose essentially which ones I wanted to to do versions of and uh so we started with Barbara Tucker Beautiful People mm-hmm. and then moved on to there's a tune by Quentin Harris called Traveling um no 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 wicked tune anyway um so I had about 40 songs that I really liked and over the weeks we just tried them I pulled in my mate who's a DJ his name is Funk Butcher we literally used to have to sample like find a break or like the intro you know like those lovely the DJ bit (laughs) where there's no vocal and yeah and just uh sample that Mm -hmm. and play chords around it to create the backing track so we didn't have any money like we didn't have a studio or anything like that so the sound was pretty rago it was like it was a bit rough you know but when you put like sweet harmonies on top we got away with quite a lot and then one of the girls was um really adamant that we we include some gospel songs and make them house make them more house um version so we looked at um 
some songs by Kirk Franklin. But yeah, so it's like an exchange. It's like we're making house tunes more gospel-y and gospel tunes more house. Yeah. And the, the, the only, the main deciding factor is just like, will this inspire people? Whether we don't have to believe in the same things. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to, I don't know. You just have to be interested in having the conversation about being uplifted. Yeah. And that's how we made those decisions. And yeah, that feeling of togetherness. It's yeah. what it's all about, yeah. totally. So what was the reaction like at Glastonbury after that first gig? Did it land, do you think? Yes, yeah. We we knew, I, do you know what I knew from that first rehearsal, like doing Barbara Tucker's Beautiful People and just being able to pull those those harmonies and those, because they're in there, they're, you know, like Barbara Tucker started off singing in church, so, and she's, she's a woman with faith. So the way she sings is gospel, the way she chooses her harmonies is gospel. So we, it was, it was just like, taking all of that brilliant source and uh, kind of just making it live. So the, the thing was always like trying to make people in the audience feel how we felt in that room, mm-hmm. which was just good. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So that was what was the Glastonbury, what did you say? It was 2014. 2014, yeah. What was the kind of road travelled after that then? Was it like loads of gigs and just up and down the country, festival appearances? We got our second gig off the strength of saying we booked for Glastonbury. Will you book us for Latitude? And they were like, oh, you're doing Glastonbury. So they booked us for Latitude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that was wicked. We got to open the waterfront stage mm-hmm. Um that summer at Latitude and then it was just like no let's just get back to what we were doing so every Monday we just we were in this little studio space in Hackney Mm -hmm. very small um and then the numbers just kept growing more and more people wanted to join I think at one point we had like 45 people in this room that was meant to have maybe 15. Oh my god. Um so if you were walking along Hackney Mare Street um on a Monday in 2014 chances are you would have heard us at some point and then we were really fortunate we were able to move into the rich mix mm-hmm. in Bethnal Green mm-hmm. um just on, at the top of Shoreditch and 
yeah, we've been based there ever since. It's been our home since then. Yeah. So the core, the core of what we do is us getting in the room and having a good time with each other. And then the premise is that we essentially share the best of that with audiences that want to feel the same way we do. Incredible. And obviously the album was released this year. What has been the journey towards that? I mean, it's got some amazing collaborations on it with people like Todd Terry, Wookie, Toddler T, DJ Spen. Mm. I mean, one, was it exciting to be doing an album anyway? And two, I suppose, working and collaborating with genuine house music icons. How did that feel? Was that frightening in any way or was it just, you know, empowering in terms of what you were doing? Uh, both <laughs> like constantly scared and empowered or in any moment like just oscillating between the two mm. yeah no um we obviously we've been doing these cover versions in our sets um and then slowly I start I started to write some original stuff as well and that we were working into the set and it was just a bit like it would be great to for people to take a bit of this show away with them and experience it in their own time so that was literally it's a really pure idea creating a record being signed to a label and doing it all that way has been incredible island have been great it's a lot of hard work though mate like yeah (laughs) it's not uh it's not a bed of roses i will tell you that um and you know part part of it has been a challenge but Mm. every time we got to get together with one of those producers who we admire and like just respect so much like we met spen at southport weekender Mm -hmm. and we just kind of had a chat with his manager and within a week he'd he was still in London. So he came and taught the choir. Uh, oh, what song was it? I can't remember. Praising his name. Yeah. Um, Adam Nesby and someone else. Wicked tune. Yeah. And yeah, so like you go from like dark Raven to this song at Southport Weekender to the actual producer being in your session with 100 people teaching us the correct words. And it was just, yeah. So the relationships that we formed with these producers and DJs is very genuine Mm -hmm. and I think there's like a real exchange and respect for what they do because I think they can appreciate how much we love their music and that we're just trying to do them just just kind of do it an honor in that sense in the same way that a DJ will play their record in their set if this is our version of doing that yeah it works really well yeah and you know you mentioned at the top of the interview as well about how you just went through your your record collection and you mentioned the covers and reworks and interpretations that are actually on the album as well you know mm. how did you how do you go about picking those that are going to feature on the album you know was it was it a very democratic process in terms of the members of the group or is it just a feeling in terms of, i love this one so much it's, it always goes down well or how did you approach that we de- so so we in our like in our repertoire there's probably about 100 cover versions or cover songs that we do but we choose we chose the ones that have had the best response mm-hmm. during the live shows and at festivals and the ones that make us feel the happiest to sing and like the, the one word that just kept returning was just joy I just want to feel joy when I hear this so we demoed um like our top 20 songs mm-hmm. and our, our, like our favorite 20 and just went from there really and whichever ones stuck because not every song works. That's the other thing. There might be a song we absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try to get a choir to sing it. It's just like, oh, shut up. All you just <laughs> shut up. Like, there's no need for this. The song is perfect. Uh-huh. Doesn't need all of you lot, like, <laughs> making a racket over the top of it. So um, it was that as well. Like, hearing something and knowing that, no, nah, like, just playing this and dancing to it is enough. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to add here. Our requiring is not required. But it's re- it's democratic in the sense that if everybody's eyes light up, 
in the room and everybody's moving to it that's that's the answer yeah. you know it's like a laboratory in that way <laughs> and the um i mean i have seen i have seen it on youtube as well but it's not in the album um your version of stand on the word is like i mean i yeah. love i just love that track anyway um so right? yeah it's beautiful and goosebumps every time so hearing your version yeah, of it i was wicked. like this is i'm so happy you guys have actually tackled it it's incredible one of my favorites it's yeah it's just, it's just stunning uh, are there yeah. any other tracks out there that have real meaning or that you know are on a shelf at the moment in terms of like i want to approach that one day but the timing's got to be right or is it just a case of i'm just happy to try anything um yeah there's definitely some on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna tell me though are you? like <laughs> i don't want i know i just don't you want a surprise yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. If we get when we get if we're blessed enough to do another project, then hopefully we'll get to um, record those. But the the one thing because of lockdown, mm. we started doing those acapella videos or using this as an app called acapella. Mm-hmm. So everyone we'd rehearse it on Zoom and learn all the parts together on mute because you can't the delay the latency is too so bad yeah you can't sing together on Zoom at all. And then we'd go away and record each record our part separately, and then our DJ and producer Harrison, he puts them together and mixes it and just kind of gets the right blend. So luckily, like if you go through the required videos, there's there's songs that aren't on the album, but they, they were either doing our set or have always wanted to do, like Joe Smooth, Promised Land, mm-hmm. um, uh, Don't Stop Moving. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's loads, there's loads in there. So hopefully one day we'll be able to record those formally. Yeah. But for now, the required videos are you know keeping people going. They've certainly kept us going. Yeah, I mean, during these kind of like lockdown times, and obviously it's all about positivity and living, lifting spirits in terms of being a gospel choir, you know, and you guys have been just wrestling with the technology to still push that out there, which is fantastic. Yeah. What, you know, what else can you kind of tell us about those required sessions? Is it people just, anyone gets involved or, you know, how do they kind of work? So as much as I'm saying we have 150 members, the core choir like that go out and perform and record on the album is about 20 and then every year we choose about 20 people 25 people to train and develop to be part of that group as well and so we've got like a quite a wide family so this was we've never been able to get really a stage big enough to have 35 people on it Mm -hmm. so but in the required videos we were able to put more and more people and rotate the members every week and what we've been doing because we were hoping to get back to like doing our weekly sessions again which we can't do Mm -hmm. um still so we've been running our weekly our monday night sessions on our we have like an instagram live Mm -hmm. session that we do and we invite and more people got involved so we've got members in america canada other parts of europe (laughs) that all and like our regular members in london that are all tuned into that and we teach a song there's there's four or five people in my house we, I've made my house into a bit of a studio and every Monday we go live and do that and from that actually I've met like maybe 25 more singers mm. that we started to put into those weekly videos so we meet it's, it's, it's helped us to meet new vocalists from other parts of the world um, that love what we do and we love the sound of their voices yeah. so yeah we're still we're still working still growing and that's great it's going to be one of my next questions like you know are you discovering new talent out there in the world and kind of integrating them into what you're doing now it's it's a great tool and to be able to do that I suppose. yeah it is it really is and the, and the other thing 
I think we've been able to connect with the original artists who sang the songs like Crystal Waters did Gypsy Woman with us, Barbara Tucker did Beautiful People, We're working on a few others, Deneo did I with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's some, there's some more fun ones coming up as well. So it's been an amazing way to just really connect and say thank you in a way yeah. to, to those. Because I, I think, you know, DJs and producers get to tour and travel and do the gigs. And I think a lot of the singers, uh, I would not always say left get left behind. There's mm-hmm. obviously stories about the deals that are made to bring these records to life and how they don't generally favor the vocalist mm-hmm. or the songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think through doing these required videos, we've had an opportunity to just kind of shine a light back on them as well as the producer and the DJ that has done very well from the record. And that that's, that's really special to me. Yeah. Really, really special to me. Yeah. To pay respect to these guys. That, Real you know, respect. Yeah. And like you say, sometimes, yeah. you know, it might have been a guest vocalist who just did a studio session and got a one-off fee, or it might have been someone exactly. that was even sampled from a record yeah. back in the day, you know. Yeah, a lot of stories going around about yeah. how that stuff goes down. Um, I've actually experienced some of it myself, but yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so so it's been really important for me to connect with the vocalists and the, song, the original songwriters, and we're always giving credit to those people that maybe a a bit behind the scenes or mm-hmm. whose voices and faces you've never you've never known their names maybe yeah, yeah it's awesome um you mentioned some names there already is there anyone out there that you kind of haven't worked with yet that you know you would really be like wow this is just this would just be the pinnacle um uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> yes certainly um do you know um i won't say who because it's no. just like the list is so long and, mm-hmm. and we have so many great producers and DJs in our scene and songwriters. Mm. So, um, but one person I really wanted to work with and I was so sad that we couldn't find a way to connect with them in time was Louis Vega. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that, that didn't happen. I was like, cool, do you know what? Next project, it will happen. Something will happen in the future and I will meet Louis um, or Mr. Vega, depending on what day it is. <laughs> And I, I I just wanted to go to New York in January. So I did, I was just like, before all this pandemic stuff hit, mm. I got to take a little trip and um, ended up in a rehearsal session through like a friend of a friend that I'd been introduced to. And it was for his Elements of Life show that right. he was bringing to, <laughs> he was bringing to London to do mm-hmm. at the South Bank at the end of January. So I was like, you know, like, you should have a live choir with you like this is this would be just you should just we should do that so we did yeah um so um yeah and we got to perform with louis and the elements of life um in january when i got back from new york and it's just just like all these incredible things have happened that i'm so i feel very lucky and fortunate that we've been able to create these moments with these incredible artists so i feel Who's going to stop me from doing anything else? <laughs> like, what what else can we do? What's the what's the next challenge? And I think that's a great way to look at life. Like, there's no harm in sitting at home and dreaming about what you want to make and what you want to see in the world. And if it's not there yet, just just get out and do it, man. Like, why not? Absolutely, it's inspiring to hear that. Like you say, if you want to create something, get just get out there and do it. Just try it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. it's kind of why I'm sat here now doing a podcast. Yes. It's crazy. Exactly, um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, so what what is next for? Obviously, this is you know it's unprecedented times. We're all in lockdown mm. in a sense. You know, uh, live music and um, gigs and things are off the agenda. Ignoring all of that ideally kind of what's the next path for the house gospel choir what do you want to do and achieve like in the next few years Uh, you know another album a tour festivals what's on the list well there are millions of people that have never heard us or never heard of us so you know we've got to reach them somehow we want to want them to hear the album as a as a starting point because it is great and it is an hour and six minutes of just joy mm-hmm. um <laughs> if anyone wants to listen from beginning to end if you just need to be picked up out of you know a, a maybe like a, a low place or a dark place just whack the album on and just have a dance around your, your living room so we just want more people to experience that in the first instance but house gospel choir was created like designed as a live experience so not being able to tour this year was really hard and so many festivals and bookings we had just like just went in the bin obviously yeah um but luckily we get to do a christmas like christmas time performance at jazz cafe so keeping it small um but we get to do a performance and that's going to be i think sunday the 20th amazing um, and it's two it's two shows so we're doing like a matinee and an evening performance mm-hmm. and then hopefully i need to check the deets with the with management but i think the we're going to have a bit of a regional tour next year so we get out back into the uk where we love to be and uh yeah get to just keep sharing all this good news and this good music the uh, details for that are coming soon yeah it's a fantastic album um you know you guys were awesome on strictly the other week as well oh sick you saw that (laughs) (laughs) just throw that in there yeah like why not yeah man i can't believe everything we've done this year you know like it really did feel like we weren't gonna be able to do anything but just a bit of faith and a lot of hard work to yeah. keep us all together and yeah so strictly was that was an experience those dancers are bloody good you know they're really, really good. house culture I hope you enjoyed that one guys and make sure you head over to your preferred music player to check out the House Gospel Choir's hugely uplifting album Required. As you heard in our chat, there are some familiar favourites that have been reinterpreted into a gospel style alongside some future classics that have been produced by some house music legends. Speaking of legends, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to this, the House Culture Podcast, so you don't miss out on any of our sit-downs with iconic characters from the scene. We've already featured Fatboy Slim himself, Norman Cook, as well as Danny Rampling, Terry Farley, Smoking Joe, Tall Paul. We have some equally huge guests coming up. I promise that you won't be disappointed. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram feed at HouseCultureNet where you can stay connected to other house music lovers from across the world. That's it for this one. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. I'll see you next time. House Culture. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.